0: Hey guys, welcome back to the four two nine podcast. I'm four, I'm two, and I'm nine. And today we will be going through the future of smart home and Internet of Thing devices (IoT). So, okay, let's uh, why don't we get into this a little bit. Let's talk about what is IoT, what is smart home, right? Not everyone's so tech savvy, so let's let's talk a little bit about what those actually are and what those mean, right? So, I'm pretty sure most of you, even if you think you don't know what smart home and IoT is, you probably do. Um, so Amazon Alexa, all of these home assistants and virtual assistants, Google Home, you know, the uh nine Apple what, pod. What's the, the, uh, the Apple Pod, right? Yeah. The I is it is it the Apple Pod? Is that what it's called?
1: For what? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the oh you're talking about the the app? The right.
0: Apple, no, no. the Apple version of Alexa. Oh, Siri. Well, I no. mean the Apple version <laughs> of the Amazon Alexa, the actual device.
2: The home pod. The home pod,
0: that's what well, it that's, is, yeah. That's just a speaker though, but whatever, yeah. Go on. Yeah, so anyway all of, these, all, all of those home assistants are kind of like, I would say, the bridging point of what is modern home, of modern uh, smart home, right? So a lot of people nowadays, they have smart lights. You know, you can, from your phone or from your Alexa, from your home assistant, virtual assistant, tell them, hey, you know, shut off my lights. There's a lot of smart doorknob kits and locking kits now for, you know, your different doors. You can kind of walk up to a door, oh, your Bluetooth senses it or whatever, automatically opens for you when you get home. You can lock your doors remotely. You can open your garage remotely, close your garage remotely. You know, all of your different cameras and stuff where you can have like two-way communication. You know, even your speakers and stuff, I would consider smart home. You know, you get things like Sonos, um, Bose, all like the sound touch and, you know, different hi-fi systems that are becoming more and more audio connected. Well,
2: Ford, don't forget about the original IoT stuff that
0: first came out, which people disregard more now, smart TVs. Correct, yeah. Smart TVs were one of the first ones out there. (laughs) And, I mean, they were very popular, and, I mean, you can see how many people have Apple TV, how many people have Fire Sticks, how many people had Rokus, right? All of these things were kind of devices that would make your non-smart devices have smart features and functionality. And, you know, as we kind of get more and more into this new world of connectedness, um, you see literally everything we have gets connected and centered. Like your Amazon app, for example, every smart device you have can probably be paired with Alexa. Like, it's just like basic functionality now. You know oh, you you're making a smart light bulb you almost need to have functionality with Alexa and Google Assistant and you know Siri and if you don't it's you're expected. missing out. yeah so I mean there's a lot of different types of IOT um, and let's why don't we first let's talk about some of our experiences with IOT right so I mean I'll give a quick baseline for myself I don't really have all that much IOT in my house to be honest um, however I'm working on kind of expanding this. So I have some smart TVs. Uh, I think I have two or three smart TVs and like a sound bar that doesn't have like voice voice uh, voice activity and isn't connected with the Siri and whatnot directly, but it does do Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and has an app so I can control it from my phone. So I would still consider that a smart device. Um, however, I do have myself a home server that I built uh, where I can control a lot of my different things from my home server. Um, I was working on trying to get my sprinkler system connected to my home server. That way I could activate them from my phone. Um, I know I already had one of my non-smart printers, which didn't have like AirPrint or Wi-Fi print available. I was able to uh, wire it up with my home server. That way I could tell my home server remotely to print to my uh, non-smart printer, right? So there's just this whole new era of connectedness and, you know, devices communicating with one another and devices making your life easier making your life better not having to get up off the couch to go shut your lights and stuff like that so i mean these are all really cool things like i said i don't have a ton of them myself but i'm kind of working on expanding um but why don't we go over to two? what do you think what what your experience has been like
2: and just a side note you know four's working on that sprinkler system primarily just so he could spray me as i walk towards his house but (laughs) you know it's it's a good concept there right but In terms of my experience with, like, IoT technologies and IoT item stores, right, really all I really got is an Apple TV, right? Like, my printer, I would say, unlike yours, it's uh, Wi-Fi enabled. So I have that ability. And I think that's been, like, my biggest asset. Because I remember I've had this printer for years, right? So I remember one time I just needed to print something. I wasn't even home. This printer also has the capability of that you could just email it a document and it will be printed for you when you get home, right? That's cool, yeah. So, like, I thought that was, like, the most amazing thing ever that they built in. But other than that, in terms of other like smart technologies and smart things, I'm more of a traditionalist in the sense of you. It's like I'm not really a big fan of all these smart technologies for, you know, we'll get into this later in the podcast for like security reasons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely see the benefit and the added, you know, convenience of having these technologies all around your place. But that's just on me. Nine, what about you?
1: So you know, like four, I have um, experience working with IOTube. I think I was one of the first in our group to really start experimenting with it, like, uh, primarily. Um, Mostly I've done things involving, like, Raspberry Pis and stuff like that, because they're kind of, like, the go-to unit for simple IoT projects. You know, if you want to do a a simple server, a network server, Raspberry Pi. If you want to do kind of, like, a relay switch controller, you know, hook it up to a Raspberry Pi and you have a series of switches to connect the applications, like... You know, like lamps and stuff like that, and you know, I try to keep it. Um, uh, I would say for learning experiences, I try to not rely on like consumer ready mm-hmm. IOT devices. You know, yep. Uh, so like smart plugs, they're uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, uh, smart uh, smart TV. Uh, what's it called? Boxes like Apple TV or Chromecast. You know, I try to rely on those. But, you know, more and more every year as time goes on, these things are becoming more and more affordable, more and more approachable for normal consumers. Mm -hmm. It used to be like five, ten years ago, like IoT was just uh, a pure hobbyist kind of thing. You know, someone who really wanted to, that extra further level of control of their household to really optimize every little nuances and going on through their house, from the sprinkler system to the lights fixtures and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But now, like, it's becoming like, a standard. a standard, yeah, it's becoming like a standard. And, you know, big brands have made it really easy for anyone to really pick up uh IoT or make your house into, like, an IoT system now. Oh, yeah. Uh We talk about, like, uh I think the biggest push that we keep mentioning is the smart assistants, right? I mean, everything goes back to these smart assistants that enable us to have simple voice commands to do a tremendous list of things automatically, right? Like, I mean, it's insane. Like, I think went back then when I was talking about the early years of IoT, uh, the fact when when someone thought of this, it was it was thought to be impossible, you mm-hmm. know, because like, it's amount of research to create an assistant will be insane and almost not worth it.
2: Right. Just the voiceover but, was just a pain in the ass. Exactly. itself. Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: like, big brands have definitely have allowed the the gap between I think being able to do a project to actually completing that project to narrow and narrow every year. Like at this point, you can basically have, you know a couple of light fixtures and um, your sound system and your sprinkler, all hooked up to your one smart assistant easily. And and now with like smart plugs, you can have basically any application technically connected to your IoT system easily. Mm-hmm. But there are, you know, still cons and still pros to doing it yourself self-made and grand consideration. I think mostly it's just costs. Yeah. It's just pretty much cost. And, you know, also, you kind of lose kind of. I, I, my, my opinion, you lose kind of the fun, a little bit if you just start poking everything up to like ready-made things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's that's you. just my experience so far.
0: So, here's here's another thing, right? Why don't we get into the privacy here? I know this is a big, a big component of it. and I think it's important that we talk about this um, early on in this conversation because mm-hmm. it will carry through the rest of this. I think. So. There are a ton of major privacy concerns surrounding all of these virtual assistants and you know having all of these different smart applications smart devices in your house right there's a ton of different outside of even just privacy but security concerns right a lot of these IOT devices in the past have been found to have major security vulnerabilities that expose your network to hackers right I mean a lot of these are not totally secured and as a consumer, you expect to pick something up off the shelf and for it to work and not put risk at you, right? Like you don't a lot of the consumers aren't thinking about this. You're just gonna buy something off the shelf in the store and be like, Oh, that's really cool. Let me go hook it up. Oh, it wants my Wi Fi password. Okay. And you know, you're not thinking about what is the like what is happening now. You've just put this device on your network. You've given it your Wi Fi password. It has access to everything on your network now. These are are afterthoughts in a lot of consumers and it's not necessarily because it's not necessarily because they're you know not intelligent enough to understand these things it's I think it's just because companies put forth this you know this idea of oh you know just trust us don't worry about it like we're good don't worry about it and a lot of companies are now like I feel like these data breaches that happen no one even cares like they just shrug them off you know there's no more of a oh my god we're so sorry right like a lot of companies aren't even giving you like credit monitoring and stuff for data breaches anymore it's just like Expected. Uh, like, oh, yep. data breaches yeah. happened. You know, big deal. You know, they're creating it this. It's, it's just like are that... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue you just pointed out. And, like, you alluded to the whole Equifax thing that happened, right? Yeah. Like, 99% of Americans don't... I don't think ever approved Equifax even getting their information, myself included. And we were all affected by this, right? if you had a, yep. If you had a credit card, you were affected by this. Period. Right? So it's like... It's pathetic how you had that whole data breach go through. And what did we get? Oh, we got free credit monitoring for a year and that you could freeze our account. Yeah, but if you freeze my credit, I can't apply for more credit without unfreezing it. So you're yep. putting me through more hassles for something that's your problem and your fault, right? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. And even these other companies with other data breaches, like there was a the whole uh, Google Plus data breach, right? Yep. And now I think five years later, they're coming and giving like... Um, a class action lawsuit against it, but you're getting paid, what, $12 if you had a Google Plus account? Big whoop, $12 for your data getting stolen, right? Yep. Is your data really worth $12? I don't think so, right? With all the effect that it can have on you, it's worth a lot. Yep. And so it's really crazy how I feel like data data breaches like this have become normalized, and I'm going to call this sort of like the Yahoo problem, mm-hmm. right? Because it was Yahoo who really, I would say normalize this. Yahoo got hacked, like, every year between 2011 to 2015, right? And my data was stolen countless times from those hacks, right? But, like, it was just normalized that, like, oh, no one's doing anything, no one's going to cause us to do anything. Like, I think there needs to be a bigger stand of ground between governments and countries to stand their ground on this whole data thing. And we've seen it happen, right? So now you see, like, Europe taking action with GDPR and watching how the whole data is being treated and everything but I think there needs to be larger consequences cuz a data breach is just as bad as, you know, my bank account getting broken into for example, right? Yeah. And if there's this much reg and there's this much regulation in the finance industry to make sure that doesn't happen, why isn't there that much regulation in the tech industry to make sure our data doesn't get
0: stolen, right? Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's totally true, but there there are a ton of security concerns, right? Like, you know, so for example, if you load up a smart a smart light bulb onto your network and all of a sudden it's found that that light bulb now has some type of security vulnerability that allows hackers to get remote access to it now hackers have remote access to that light bulb which you've now just put on your internal network and has you know can reach all of your devices so that layer of protection you had by being on a private network is now gone right you've now got someone else that has access to your network and any other vulnerable devices on your on your you know Wi-Fi Maybe you forgot to update a computer. Maybe you know you you're plugging in an old device for the first time in a while, right? Like now, all of these things could lead to you being breached and actually losing things like your own personal data, or you know maybe uh maybe they'll log into your bank account with credentials they fished or or key logged from you, right? Like the I mean the sky is the limit once a hacker's on your network. So yeah, we
1: talked we talked about this for um, when we were doing research and stuff like that us together yep. we kept looking up researching vulnerabilities and stuff like that and exploits that people were doing and we we instantly found a trend with a lot of these uh vulnerable networks they all came from one like origin point and it was like some sort of iot device that who like uh time. security wasn't yeah it's was, like your security wasn't like a main focus right because you have systems like computers and smartphones like sure they get hacked from a couple of times but Security is definitely a uh, a four priority in these devices, but the guys who are making smart fridges or smart TVs or even like a smart toaster, right? They're not even thinking about what are the network implications and security going with me installing your smart toaster, right? They're yep. so just we want this thing
2: to work from your smartphone. It's gonna be great. Well, the biggest I think issue in that article you're actually referring to was not even just the regular IoT device, right? I'm, start- I'm not talking about a
1: particular issue. I'm talking about multitude of issues that happen. Oh,
2: yeah, but, like, the scariest thing is, like, a lot of these issues actually come from, like, you guys will be surprised to hear this, baby monitors, right? Yeah, I
1: heard about this. I heard about like, this. Like, yeah.
2: there's so many baby monitors or baby devices that, like...
1: Have you I'm heard scared- about that one instance? Where one guy actually hacked in and actually was able to put it record play his voice over the monitor. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: that was that wasn't even playing his voice. That was his live voice. He was talking to that person live.
1: Well, that's what I meant. Like he yeah. Was like, he was like, like talking to the baby. That's
2: terrifying. That's creepy.
0: That's insane. Creepy. You know. Right? Think about this. Right. Here's here's an article that I saw a while back. I just pulled up again. Back in, I want to say this is 2017. Um, hackers were able to break in to. Let me see. It's a North American casino it uh, doesn't look this article lists the casino name but it's Casino North America through a smart fish feeder and sensor so they have a fish tank in the casino that has some type of IOT connected um, sensors for temperature and pH and for feeding right and a uh-huh. hacker got in through this smart fish feeder and this led to them stealing 10 gigs of data from that casino so yeah. I mean when you're talking about text data that's a lot of data I mean who knows how much that you know how much stuff could be stored there so
2: Ten that was 10 gigabytes of text data?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, 10 gigs of data in general, but I would like to assume it's text data because... It could be, it can be anything. Want? It could be, like, footage. It can be, uh, I guess... Well,
2: if it's footage or, like, pictures, I don't expect it to be that much data, but, like, but, like just 40... If that's, that's, that's text data, that's a shit ton of data, bro. Well,
1: he's saying, like, it's any data. So it could be footage. It could be range of footage. It can yeah. even be, like, text in terms of, like, well, employment wait, records. Said,
0: my, 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 my assumption is that if you're a hacker on a casino network, you have no reason to steal camera footage. I mean, you can walk into the casino and get that footage yourself. You know, just record, record yourself. There's no benefit there. So, I mean, he must have been targeting something, and my my, my guess would be he's stealing actual documents. Probably. It has to be something valuable. It doesn't make sense otherwise, so.
1: But this goes back to the point where, like, essentially your network is only as strong as your weakest link, and yep. when you start adding a bunch of internet things, right, Um, you're going to have very lots of weak links. I mean, like, who would thought, like, if they even had like a security guy on board, who would have thought like, hey, make sure that smart uh, fish feeder is up to par and standard with I security. I would have thought that. <laughs> you, you would have thought that, but I, I have, guess. But not I would of, not
2: have thought that. <laughs> None of the
1: ten people would not have thought that. First and, thing and I would have it.
0: done is run a network scan. I would have found like every device. I mean, you need to be aware, right? If you're going to be a network administrator or deal with security at a company as big as a casino, like you need to be aware of every device on your network is the firmware for every device on your network up to date, right? I mean, they should be running scans consistently. It's just, it's pure oversight when it comes uh, to these what's the Well, what's well the issue? What, what if the issue is that's
1: a smart fisher, right? Mm-hmm. The company makes it doesn't doesn't give two shits about the firmware it doesn't provide the latest well, firmware sh-
0: well they, here's the thing they they should care and if they don't they sure care. you should be running scans to check vulnerabilities right a lot of the time these things are running similar platforms right iot devices are, a lot of them are based in the same development boards they're based with something in with in, with something in common they're using the same protocols you can scan for these things and even if you're not scanning for them you should be manually checking right i mean it's pretty simple to me that A smart fish feeder from a company not nearly as large as, like, Microsoft, for example, right? I mean, you can be pretty sure if you keep your computers up to date, your Windows machines, they're going to be pretty secure. They're not going to be very vulnerable so long as you're not outdated. But, I mean, you should be looking at your weakest pieces because, you know, they have just as much exposure. But they probably has the least amount going to them in terms of security uh, investment and, you know, actual people caring.
2: Basic concern with you know like this casino industry or with any other industry that's not tech is right tech is not a first class citizen when it comes to any of these companies or corporations or anything like that, right yep like you may be right, like the network admin will probably just need to run a network scan over this whole thing, right I bet you twenty bucks they don't even have a network admin right like that's the that's the major issue like if you want to think about us building a house right. Tech is one of the foundations, Yeah. but people keep ignoring tech in those foundations, and it leads to data breaches or these other issues happening well, more and more often at these corporations. You
0: know, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a problem with tech per se, because right? I think tech is the way that that got there in the first place, right? You have to have mm-hmm. people actually building these things. It's It's a pure lack of oversight on the security side of tech, right? So they have people, they want to build these things. They want to have these things to make their lives easier right and casinos in casinos in particular they have a lot of tech i think at least all of their slot machines are tech based now right everything they do is connected they need to be able to monitor how many people are winning or are their algorithms working right like they have a lot of tech and a lot of redundancy because they're highly regulated for their for their winnings and stuff but when it comes to the security oversight maybe that's the lacking component because i mean just having that smart fish feeder there means that they're investing in tech they're open to it but i mean you need to have the proper backbone and infrastructure set up to make sure that exactly. these different things don't come back to bite you in the butt
2: but i guess you need the right people in place for that and yeah. i can't speak for this casino thing i don't even know what article or casino you guys yeah, are referring I'll, I'll, to i'll link it right now to you guys but like it's to that point like you would need you would need to treat the treat tech as a first class citizen and more awareness needs to happen right so i guess mm-hmm. it sort of goes into our whole topic for today in the iot space right Is that all this IOT stuff is really nice right but a lot of people are not aware what they're bringing into their house when they bring this IOT stuff I'll give you a perfect example when we were in college and I was sitting in the parking lot right Mm yeah I just was sitting there and you know how all these printers are Wi-Fi enabled and everything now right yeah yeah so I found a printer very similar to my home printer right but I wanted to know did this person change the password on their printer so what did I do I just connected from my phone I typed in the default password, which guess what was zero 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 zero. Mm-hmm. I hit enter, and guess what, I was connected. And I printed I printed a three-page document that says how to change your password from WikiHow to that printer, and then I disconnected from the printer. Yep. Right. So hopefully they got that. Hopefully they got that article. But I think that's the best way to get people aware of their security, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It's like people don't realize that basic protocols need to be met. Such as changing the passwords on your IoT devices, right? I'm pretty sure those baby monitors or smart TVs or smart fridges, right, have passwords that you can change to. But a lot of people don't change it, right? They just go with it and like, oh, it yeah. works.
0: It's fine, right? And you know, that's the biggest piece too. Because just as much as changing your password could be the difference between you being an easy target and a not easy target. If their password is not the default. You know, there's dozens of other people who will have the default. So why would I spend my time on you in particular? Exactly. Unless you're getting personally targeted by somebody, if you have minimum protections in place, odds are someone's going to just choose the next best target because they're not going to waste the extra time on you when someone else. Ninety percent.
2: And ninety percent, if it's a personal target, more than likely it's a state attack, and like they they have their professional hacking mechanism. You're talking about what we refer in the industry as "kitty hackers," right? Where it's like they go in, try to mess around, probe the systems, and go around with that. And it's like they'll move yeah. they'll move on to the they'll move on to the next, you know, vulnerable person, right? I was going somewhere with this, but I completely forgot, so I'll let you guys continue. <laughs> no, but
1: well, you're right. I mean, like honestly, it's there like nine out of ten times, it's it's all about like basically effort versus uh, results, you know, like. If I'm... Uh, you're 100% what you said earlier. There's going to be a dozen people. And I know a dozen people actually firsthand that still... Especially with routers that just use a default password.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. And, like... Sure, what, if you just change that one little thing, you're going to be basically safe from a widespread attack. Because I guarantee you these hackers are basically just... Uh, just a wide scan with uh default passwords going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Default
2: forward. passwords? And the it's second a- best thing you could do is... Two-factor, set up two-factor. It's literally just a swipe of a click, and all they'll do is just text you when they, you want to log in, right? Hundred percent. It's, it's not that difficult to do, and believe it or not, two-factor stops a lot of random hacks from happening. Oh, yeah, well,
0: perfect. If, if, if you think about it, right? We just talked about that one before, where the guy was talking to the the, the child through the baby monitor or the smart camera, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, most of these Ring, like for example, Ring hacks that happen, they're not hacks at all, right? No one's actually breaking into your stuff. There's no technical work being done there. It's this guy exactly. looking at the breach lists from some someone that got their password stolen and their username stolen, and it's him simply typing your username and password into his Ring app, and then bam, now he's in. And everyone is thinking about that as, oh my god, it's a big hack, it's a big hack. No, that wasn't a hack. That was a user having bad security mindset. And I think that's
2: the biggest thing, right? It's like, I think education is the biggest thing when it yep. comes to these iot devices right i think we need a better education standard i don't know where this is going to come from right this that's a whole other question entirely right who provides that education for setting up two-factor or setting up um like just changing the default password like believe it or not on my router i still use the default password right but then again my default password that comes from my um internet provider is not your standard one two three four zero 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 zero. It's actually a complicated password with like, it's like a I think a thirty character password with letters, symbols, and everything, we'll right? Let's talk about this. But <laughs> as four as four starts probing into my network, um, we'll but, talk
1: about this in great detail. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, like it. It that's my main question is that so we realized the problem we realize the solution here is education right but now where will this education come from that's my question
0: you know we talked about this briefly or maybe not even briefly remember we did the right to privacy episode we went through a lot of yes. questions earlier um and i think we did go over the education aspect of it we never really had a definitive answer of where it should come from you know i tend to lean more towards i think this is something that needs to be just instilled in people now and, you know, from grade school, elementary school up, you should be learning about best practices for how to how to live on the Internet, um, at least for, you know, kids that will be going through the school system. And, I mean, in turn, I think that when you have kids that are smarter with these things, you know, even if you can't directly teach people who are older, right, because, I mean, how can you just force people to go learn, right? If they don't want to learn, you can't force an adult to go learn Internet security, Right. But just giving them that person in their family, for example, that can help them learn these things and help them kind of learn uh, and and get better with them. I mean, I think that's big. A lot of people don't have someone they can go to that will give them advice on these things, right? Like, you know, for me in my family, I get phone calls all the time. It's like, (laughs) oh, I got a pop-up. I got this. I got that. Oh, I need help setting this up. And, you know. I'm, I get hey, pulled, Windows pulled, Windows pulled is pulled telling out. me my security is vulnerable right now. Should I click on this? Yeah. Hey, I have a
2: project idea. <laughs> you know, so, oh, I hate those. A project idea one thing. <laughs> I try to teach. I try to. I help. don't want the equity. Like, <laughs> give me money. And if
0: you could <laughs> get your small children that are going through the school system to become more acclimated with it, to get more comfortable, to get them more educated surrounding these topics, maybe they could be that person for their family and friends. And, I mean just having that person is huge, right? I yell at all my family. I'm like, no, don't do that. Oh, you get a pop-up, X out, X out, right? I mean, time after time, Mm -hmm. I just- Just close the computer. I (laughs) I remember at one point, one of my family was having a problem, (laughs) right? They they had gotten one of those like Windows tech support pop-ups and they had went through the portion of it. But then my aunt walked into the room and she saw what was going on and she called me and she's like, hey, hey, can you come over right now? Like- I think something just, just happened to the computer. And I, <laughs> and I helped make sure that this didn't happen, right? But she would not have known what was going on if the week before I hadn't been telling her about these scams, right? Like literally the week before I was just telling her about these scams. So now when she walked in and saw my uncle on the phone with them, she knew that this was probably not real and knew to at least call me back, right? So a little bit of education can go a long way and making sure that, you know, at least the youngest generation of people know. You know, I think that indirectly does help people that are older, even if you don't directly educate them.
2: And the Our best department. way I think we as people can help, like, people avoid these types of scams, right? Just waste their time on the phone, right? It's a, it's a great past, pastime activity of ours. Like, oh, let me yes. tell you, me and me and Nine one time were just waiting for... Ooh, I dropped something. But me and Nine were one time just waiting for Four to, uh, to come to Nine's house, and I get one of these Indian scammer... Damn it man. I get one of these Indian scammer calls um on my phone. He goes, "Sir, your account has been locked and everything and blah 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 blah." And then nine's talking like an old uh Hispanic lady on the on the call. <laughs> All of it a works sudden, every like, time. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Por qué? Por qué?" <laughs> And that dude literally cursed us out, hung up, and then that's when four showed up. Otherwise, four missed out the whole show. <laughs> but honestly, you you see these things happen all the time on YouTube videos and everything. Just waste these guys' time. We all know they're scams. If the guy to the phone, says his name is John Smith or some other generic American or um, European though. name, <laughs> right? But sounds like but sounds like one of those fake Indian accents you hear on TV. Yeah, it's probably fake, right? Hundred percent. I'm like, there's no way that's actually happening. They're not sending sheriffs to your house, okay? That so that will come and arrest you right now. The IRS will not, never call you. <laughs> yeah, the IRS will never ever call you. They don't even give you their tax refund money back. Let me tell you that from personal experience, <laughs> right? So don't even don't even go nuts with that stuff, right? Yep. And I know, like you know, we have a broad a audi- uh, broad audience right now from our um, Asian community out in um, India and uh, Kazakhstan, for example, right? And You know, these guys are just as sick of it as we are here in the United States because they feel like it's putting a bad name on their culture, on their representations, right? It's like you have bad people in every community. And like, I feel so bad and my heart goes out to all of you, all of our listeners out in India right now, right? That feel um, that we're all stereotyping you or framing you in this light because of the bad apples you guys have in your community that are doing these scams, right? And I I appreciate, you know, those governments and those organizations actually working on those governments and those organizations actually working and, um, you know, um, adhering to these scams and taking care of them, right? Like you hear the CIA is actually working with um, the European version, the United Kingdom version of the CIA. I think it's MI6 or whatever it is, right? Um, They're working together and they're all based, Mm -hmm. based in India now to actually go and find these scams and take them out, right? So it's like, it's amazing to see what happens, but anyway, but back to like the main core topic here i o t right, I think basic education securities need there, right, yeah. and yeah. that's the whole i guess gist of that, so we're moving forward on the other i o t so beyond security right, as we've ranted enough on that, right, why is i o t really appealing to you guys like for for example, why do you want to automate your sprinkler system more? do all this stuff besides your tinkering mindset that you have, right? Oh, well, I mean, like,
0: that, now, that, that, now there goes my biggest reason, but okay, beside, <laughs> besides, besides me just being curious and wanting to do things for fun, it's, it's just uh, convenience, but... right? Like, all the time okay. I see this, right? It's like, oh, you know, we'll get home, and it's been raining all day, and there my sprinklers are on because I forgot to shut the timer, right? Like, mm, it's just annoying, right? Now, imagine if I could either, one, from my phone, say, oh... Shut sprinklers, right? Or skip skip, skip schedule. Or even if I could plug it into the weather app and if it it knows if it's raining, okay, don't turn on, right? It's been raining all day. Now we know to skip. So, the weather widget now? <laughs> so perhaps, you have the weather widget. Or if I really wanted to get crazy, you could do things like using sensors, right? I could put sensors in my lawn and connect them back to my NAS. So that way... Oh, that would be dope. So that way I can know, hey, what's the water content? And then when the content reaches a certain level, bam, I know to turn on. Doesn't even need to be scheduled anymore. You can know for a fact when you need to water your when you need to water your grass, right? You know this is this is IOT. It is it's it's not only for convenience, right? But it increases the efficiency of things. If I had that water sensor, I would be able to efficiently water my grass exactly how much it needs, right, for the exact time it needs it there's never a point in time when my grass doesn't have the water it needs or gets too much water because I now know based on those sensors exactly how much water content is in the soil, right? So there's there's, there's a lot that can be done, not only for convenience, but also for efficiency. And, I mean, that goes everywhere, right? Like, think about, like, you know, let's say a, a light, for example, in your house, right? Yeah. Maybe it's convenient because you're sitting on the couch and, you know, you don't want to have to get up to go shut your lights. But maybe... In an alternate setting, you forgot your lights on in your house. You're on vacation, perhaps. You can't go back to your house to shut them. Bam, you have a, an app on your phone now. You can shut them from your pocket, right? No more worrying about, oh, uh, oh did I leave my lights on? Oh, I got to have so-and-so go check for me or blah, 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 blah. Bam, nope, you save the electricity bill. You don't have to pay that light bill. You can even take it a step further. Maybe the lights detect that they're on for a long period of time. Bam, you just shut them automatically. Oh, the lights have been on for 12 hours straight? Yeah, that's probably not right. Let me just shut them. Right? Like, you know, you can take these simple steps, and, I mean, not only is it convenience, but it could save you money, makes things work better, could increase the length of longevity that your lights will last because you're not going to have them on unnecessarily. You know, I think it's... There are some really cool things that go on with with uh, Smart Home. Nine, what do you think? What's your, uh, what's, your what's your reasoning here?
1: Uh, I think it's a lot of multitude. The biggest one, like, you like alluded to is our thinker in mind set, like figuring out why, um, how how to make this thing work. Just seeing for me, I like seeing my something I created my own hands come to life and uh mm-hmm. form a functional yep. uh some sort of like convenient thing. Second will be convenience, like you keep leaning on to. It's just so convenient to have like the sprinkler system automated, to have uh your AC automated, to have your life fixtures uh, I it at different time intervals or even colors variables, you know yep. uh it's just convenient but I, I think I think for me, not even going over the obvious ones uh two big ones would be one sometimes uh for me it's uh the the ability of laziness uh basically right mm-hmm. you might have <laughs> a particular situation where yeah, I could get up and turn off the lights every time I need to. Or I can build a, a makeshift little uh motor that turns off the lights that are connected to my Pi that will talk over to the uh, network, and I can just do it while I'm sitting down. It's like these types of things that like big brands won't waste their time doing, like really oddly specific things, but I'm too lazy to keep repeatedly doing them well and i think that's just
2: your laziness
1: that's just my laziness but like that it's it's using my laziness to its advantage it's yeah. Using my laziness to essentially add more convenience to my life No, and I and why not I, I gain a lot of experience throughout the project i gain a lot of knowledge throughout the project and at the end of the day i can even be more lazy i'm mean, talking about that a long time ago the best programmer is a lazy one
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, yeah. it, and and it works also in the internet of things um, world as well yep. it constantly it constantly becomes true and i think the the fourth thing that we keep alluding to is privacy right that's going to be one of the biggest things uh as uh as i would say that separates someone from who's willing to spend the ex- maybe sometimes the extra money or even the time to do their self-made one compared to going towards a big brand one right we talked about yep. how these uh these things have huge vulnerabilities Um, sometimes unfortunately amazon apple or anyone who else creates these internet of things, products, security isn't always uh, a top priority, right? Yep. Or is, is an afterthought. Um, for me, that's kind of a concern. And I'd rather build the thing itself and limit it to maybe only in, in my own network or even just build it with security in mind uh, fr- ahead of everything and avoid these potential um, p- uh, privacy headaches yep. later on. It's it's it, I would say those three are the pretty much the biggest reasons why I continually go back to other things and automate my home.
0: And you know it's it's super fun, right? Let's look. Let, I know I know I skipped. Oh over yeah. this. I know I skipped over this uh, in my previous explanation. But like I know nine and I we took a graduate level IoT course, and it was a lot of self study where it was just us kind of building cool things. And you know one of the reasons I wanted to take that class was because I felt that. I had a really good understanding of software and security, and you know your, your your non kind of hardware level piece of engineering and computer science, and I just hadn't really built stuff before, Applied right? It. I hadn't really used, I haven't really you know used hardware. Yeah, it's always oh, let me just build software to do something. Okay, cool, right? Like I can build computers, you know, but that's not really hardware level engineering, right? Now, I was more interested in wanting to get exposure to, hey, you know, how can I use this Arduino to interact with this solenoid valve to, you know, run my sprinklers on a timer, right? You know, how can I do that? Or, hey, how can I set up this solid-state relay and connect it to my Raspberry Pi, which would then, you know, be able to listen on my network for API requests to shut my lights off automatically, right? Like, these are the really cool pieces of stuff that I wanted to learn more how to do. And, you know... IoT doesn't have to be complicated, right? A lot of this stuff is made very easy now with the with the modern you know development boards like Arduino and um, you know Raspberry Pi and miniature and miniature compute modules like the Raspberry Pi, right? So it's 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 it can be very plug and play, but there's a lot of different things that go into it. There's all different types of sensors and relays and solid state relays and there's different ways to interact with your environment that are you know very very cool and interesting and you know i only kind of have the tip of the iceberg in terms of exposure but i'm it's it's interesting and it's a fun hobby and i mean most importantly it's different than you know the real work that i do and it separates that a little bit where hey you know working on fun iot projects is you know maybe it maybe it'll decrease my likelihood of having burnout in terms of programmer burnout um, cuz i'm not working only on software not only for my job but also when it comes to you know my hobbies so
1: also another thing we should we should point out is that it leads us to new fields that we wouldn't probably yeah. uh attach to unless we had a project reason to go behind i think a lot of the reasons i even take on a n- numerous types of projects right is because part of part of my part of my reasoning is that it will lead me to try something new maybe maybe a little bit of machine learning during this project, a little AI mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. stuff like image recognition or computer vision technology, right? Yep. These, these are the type of things. Sure. You can learn about them. You could do isolated tutorials and like, um, courses. Right. But I feel like I learned way better doing an IOT project yeah. and having it actually, cause you have a goal. You have, you have a, you have a actual like motivation to get it done. Cause if you get this thing done, that's a, that's a functionality. That's a, uh, convenience you're adding to your life right compared to you just taking like a, a computer vision course sure you're you're gonna learn it you you know might you might you know keep some of the knowledge but since you're not really applying it to anything useful or anything actually uh applicable it's just gonna be gone in like six months unless you keep rehashing and using it so yeah it really allows you to build new skill sets try out new fields new technologies and really challenge yourself
0: you know it's so funny. Like, ever since I started getting into this stuff, like, I look at things differently now, right? So, like, for example, um, one of my fans broke the other day, right? Now, before, and when I say fan, I mean just like a regular, like, you know, blows-air fan type thing. Um, it broke, and, you know, before, I would have just thrown out the fan. But what mm-hmm. did I do now? I took the fan apart, and I'm trying to see if I can salvage the motor because it's a nice motor that has a lot of power, and i think it could be really cool to use in other projects right so took it apart got rid of all the frame broke it down to just the components right so i've got my the plug that goes into the wall outlet plus a set of buttons um and then i've got uh, the, the actual motor itself now even after i took it apart and took out some of the unnecessary stuff i still haven't been able to directly get the motor to work and you know beforehand well, like i said i wouldn't have even consider doing this but now i'm almost positive that the problem with this is that i think the capacitor that it's using um for the starter for the starter coils is probably broken and that is likely why i can't get this motor to turn on i don't know how it happened maybe there was a power surge or something but i think the motor itself and the coils are probably fine i'm thinking it's likely just that capacitor so what am i going to do at some point today or tomorrow i'm probably going to look up that idea of that freaking little capacitor buy a new one on amazon Cut it out, re-solder it in, heat shrink the wires a little bit, bam. And now maybe my fan will be back to working for $3, or I can use that in a different project, you know, for fun. So,
1: Yeah, 100%. It changes your mindset. It makes you become more... Yeah, and that's way more protective. And also, if you think about it, those skills are, you know, saving costs. Like, you, you can, instead of just, like you said, looking to throwing things out, right, you're, you're recycling, you're... You're essentially adding, giving new life to old tech, and I and IOT's always been about that, yeah. you know, giving a, sort of like new power, new new skills to your old things, and basically upgrading them without, minimum, without huge costs. Like I don't know, I no longer have to. I think that was always the original goal of like IOT, especially even with like brands. Yep. IOT, it's always been about upgrading your current tech, right? Like. Like we alluded to, one of the first ones was smart TVs, but it didn't start with selling in, in integrated smart TVs. The in, they started by having smart TV boxes that you connected to your TV and you upgrade this, what will be a normal TV to have smart features. And that's always been the original goal with IoT is basically upgrade your current uh, technology. You no longer have to buy the latest and greatest to have the modern features set. Yep. So I 100% agree with that.
2: No, yeah, I definitely agree with everything you guys have said here, right? And especially on the projects piece because, like, programmer burnout—I don't know if you ever discussed this on a podcast. Maybe we will on a future podcast, right? But it's a real thing, right?
1: It's hard. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, what's it called? A scary thing because, like, it it could creep up on you.
2: And like, it's hit all of us at some point. I would say, right? I've been through it not only once, but maybe a couple times already. And like, I'm sure you guys have been as well. And like, what do we do to really calm our minds over it? I don't know. We just grab a beer, and go play some video games, and call it a day, right? But sometimes that doesn't even help. Yeah, sometimes- I would say
1: with per- programming burnout, it's like the the same solution doesn't always work. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It sometimes sometimes it's like you said, grab a beer, play a game. Sometimes you just need like to sleep well off the whole day. And sometimes, weirdly enough, you just need a program that's not like work related or like on that type of uh, what's it called uh, language. Exactly. Like, and I think
2: IoT is the best, you know, of that realm because it's really like, again, it's a side project. It's a tinkering kind of mechanism for us to kind of get like our nerdiness out of us. But at the same time, like, we're weirdly productive when we don't intend to be. Right. Yeah.
1: Hundred percent. It's weird. It's it's a weird uh, it's a weird thing to even explain. It sounds really stupid when you think about it. Like, oh, how do I prevent uh, program burnout? Let me program a couple of things. Uh, that'll help me out but (laughs) i I think it's part of the the issue is the the i guess the the importance of it like if you're programming something it's mostly because it's work related or it's there's some sort of urgency to it right it needs to be done but when you're doing something like IoT or tinkering right there's no urgency to it right and that kind of adds to the fun of it like if, if i wanted to drop it and pick it up tomorrow or like if i get stuck there's no problem with me, mm-hmm. but I, eh, the fact that I'm doing it out of my own pursuit of learning and tinkering and having fun just makes it 10 times more fun.
2: The biggest thing here for, with IoT, I want to point out, right, is like, so we talked about like this tinkering front here, right? Yeah. And how it's sort of related to everything. But what about like the non-tinkerers, right? So I guess my main question I want to pose to you guys right here is, should IoT be more mainstream, right? To get even maybe like that uncle you have who's super interested in the tech but is not a programmer involved in this space, right? Because we're talking it from a tinker perspective. Like, obviously, we're interested in it because we're three big nerds, right? So we like to do all this kind of stuff anyway soldering boards, doing all of this weird contraption stuff with our Raspberry Pis or Arduinos, right? But yeah, yeah. what about like your average just tech enthusiast, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you think IoT should be more mainstream for like targeting those types of people?
1: well now you get into like the future of iot right yeah. you think about it and i think i think, I think in the future there's gonna be two iot's i think you're gonna really start seeing the split right now there's gonna be a what i call a convenience iot and a specific or uh, narrowed down iot right and that's pretty much what you're explaining is a tinker and a non-tinker uh, point of view of it right a convenience IoT is going to be kind of what big brands are pushing for, yep. and what yep. what basically will grow up to. You're going to have these big brands, these big corporations focusing on, you know, individuals, consumers who are who are want to basically automate small things in their lives. You know, this may be like the sprinkler system. This may be things sort of like their shopping list. Uh, there may be things like their light fixtures. You know, very simple, easy to use things, and they're going to create create more and more products to make it easier, right? to do this. So it's going to be like a matter of just installing it, hooking up to your standard smart assistant or whatever existing network you have. And boom, that's it. It's not going to be anything specific. It's going to keep, it's going to hit general, uh, I guess, chores that any household will have. Yep. And it's going to basically kind of keep the principle, uh, make it easy to use and make it, you know, convenient to use. That's it. And then you're going to have the other set. I call specific ILT or I guess knowledgeable IT where you have tinkers who, you know, like Four alluded to, will take away a motor of a fan that he broke just because, where I'm going to use this fan, no motor in the the future, probably. Who knows? Like, you're going to, and he's going to build like uh, a more uh, powerful motor with with more resistors to basically replace the old one he has. Or he's going to have a very specific sprinkler system that only uh first that that not only just you know plays at intervals of t- days but also measures the moisture uh uh and uses the data and calculates even the moisture on a daily uh, over time to see if, if it's what's it called wetting at a good percentage and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The, this is basically it's taking what what brands will be doing to the next level, right? And, and and it's also part of control. He wants to be the only person in control of this data. Right, yep. he doesn't want to worry that Alexa is also viewing the same data that he's viewing, or that Siri is uh, could be wor- could be looking at the same camera lens that he is. Right, this is why we see Tinkers in the Tinker community create their own security cameras and not buy uh, like a, a Amazon camera, which we have seen in the, in the past. Even if you you know are I guess knowledgeable about privacy, it could happen. Breaches do happen, yep. even even without outside our control. So it's better to create something that's com-
0: Completely in-house, in yeah. a way, I guess. See, And I, I control all the flow. I completely agree with you. You know, like, for example, my computer I have right now, I've been having issues with it, but I'm mm-hmm. probably going to be replacing still. most of it. Still, <laughs> you know, still having issues with it for months. <laughs> I just haven't replaced stuff enough. You know, I don't want to spend the money or spend the time on it since I have my laptop. Find out, find
2: out on next week's podcast if Ford has fixed his computer. No. <laughs> like...
0: Prediction, no. Well, no, okay, it was not this way. My, my PC has been partially broken since we started doing this podcast, like, months ago and I still have yet to fix it just because like it's probably my motherboard that's broken and I don't have time or the energy to take this thing entirely apart when my laptop has pretty much the same amount of power and I can use the same peripherals and components and not have to spend all that time or money anyway that's the biggest that's the biggest issue being a tech person right you always have a backup computer that's almost just as
2: good as your desktop <laughs> so you're like yeah i could go and fix it later
0: but let me tell yeah. you what i'm gonna be really screwed if this laptop goes because i don't got a backup right now i guess i could use my macbook but that thing won't be able to work the same stuff i'm doing right now
1: see that's why i got a backup
0: backup i'm always prepared
1: my i got a backup pro. anyway like i was
0: saying <laughs> When I finally get around to fixing this, what I'm probably going to do is get a very cheap motherboard to replace this more high-end motherboard that I have right now. Yeah. And I'm going to consider just reusing all of my components in this and upgrading my home server. And if I upgrade my home server, I might be able to do things. I've been curious in looking into open source voice assistants or stuff I can run locally in terms of AI. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm already trying to work on a Jarvis. That's on my list of side projects. So if I can find an open source uh, voice assistant that I like and is close close enough to Alexa or Siri and I can trigger events with it, I can then run that on my own hardware. I can run all of my stuff, once again, on my own hardware. I can see where all of my data is stored. I can see where all the processing is happening. Like, everything happens on my terms. So I'm just much more comfortable with that. Than I am with you know using Alexa and Amazon where they're not only going to do my uh, use it for voice activity but they're then going to turn around and sell my data so you know oh hundred selling my own data so if I load an open source voice assistant onto my own home network and run it on a, a, a computer powerful enough to do it you know with you know the handful of people in my in my house I am more than going to do that eventually because I do think that the voice assistant. Is you know a very good idea being able to trigger things just with you know being able to say it <clears throat> is great and the only way I would trust that to ever happen is if it was fully on my own home network and I had full control over it and I could monitor where things are going you know I could see exactly what's happening if I run if I run that open source project I can monitor it You know, I'll be making sure that oh you know data is not getting sent to wherever it stays all internally so And now you could sell your own data. I could if I wanted to, damn. (laughs) But
2: no, it's definitely an interesting, you know, it's definitely interesting points with the future of IoT because, like, you know, there's been a lot of backlash lately with the whole IoT space, mostly because of, you know, what we discussed earlier in this podcast about hacks and everything. You know, it's like we alluded to. These aren't really hacks. It's really just users not being educated enough or well-versed enough in technology to be like, oh, yeah, I should probably change the default password, right? Like, that's that's really where we're kind of at with all of this stuff. So I guess my question now for the future is, like, where do we really see all of this going, right? Yep. Do we see more, you know, more, um, what's it called, smart fridges, right? Oh, yes, yes. Do we see, do we see more, you know, other objects that are going to be more smart? But let's also refer to IoT objects that are kind of, like, for lack of a better term, it's a complete piece of shit. Perfect example, smart board, right? Those things, like, I'm sure, as you've gone to school in the United States, I'm sure at some point or another in your school curriculum, whether it was elementary, middle, or high school, you saw a smart board, right? And we can all tell you that the best feature the smart board had was actually just calibrating it. Other than that, the smart board was a complete and utter disaster from everywhere I've really seen it be used right so i guess my main question is what's that balance there that you know should we just not fix what's not broken so like whiteboards aren't broken do we not mess with stuff like that or do you focus more on things that are more broken so this is a very a long-winded question but feel free to take it wherever you guys want
1: i think it's going to be i think there's no real way to predict the the path that one will go i think it's going to be kind of like right now it's going to be a wide a net a a wide net right now right where corporations and tinkers were trying to, like, just take with everything, you know? Uh, just, like, automate this, automate that, automate uh, automate your uh, video games, automate your photo collection booklets, automate everything, you know? And I think that's partly the phase we're in right now, where everyone's just kind of, like, making everything smart, just adding that smart keyword in front of everything. Um. And only time will tell what things truly should be smart, right? And what things should really not be smart. Um, and just pretty much like an, an expensive add-on for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of like a and out process. You just got to <laughs> kind of see the use cases for the and the advantages of this being smart over it being, I guess, quote-unquote dumb. And if it's worth the extra cost, if it's worth the processing time and and the ultimate time needed to make it smart. Like you like to alluded earlier, smart boards are good. They have their advantages. Yeah. But the average person wouldn't really gain that much of an advantage, I would say. Um, and you can probably replicate a smart board, especially with today's technology, way cheaper, with even better results, you know? Um, 100%. i
0: am buying one now just to prove you wrong. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... There's, certain, there, I bet you, there's things right now that we can't even think of to make them smart, and in uh, five years now, people will be like, "Why haven't we made this smart? This is so convenient." Like a I smart wanted, bed. A smart, I, honestly, that doesn't sound that bad. Think about it: having a smart bed that uh
2: could it sucks you into the bed and doesn't let you get up.
1: I was gonna say more like you know, kind of like throws actually, you out of bed when you gotta wake up. I wasn't even thinking that either, but you're adding great features already that I should not <laughs> it down. I was thinking more like, th- think about a smart bed that like relegates your temperature. It senses you, you're too warm, right? Cools down your bed a little bit. Or that it senses that you're a little bit too cold at night, warms it up a bit. Uh, stop snoring from elevating uh, properly, slowly. To help I you. would just
2: want my bed to just throw me out of the bed in the morning, so I can actually make it to work. Those are time. the pro
1: features. Those are the pro <laughs> features. And I'm listing down. Of course, the best features are always gonna be behind the pro uh, subscription wall. But, um, but no, but think about it. Like, it kind of sounds really insane right now. Like having a smart bed. Like, why would I need a smart bed? It's just a bed. Just keep it simple. But I bet you, like, ten years from now, people will be like, "I love my smart bed. It's mm-hmm. so great. I not live without it. How did I even sleep before?" what was sleep before this <laughs> like, it takes up the big hammer and slaps me and that's why I sleep so perfectly <laughs> but like these are like things that we wouldn't look even think it. about well, like I...
0: you even see like smart toilets in Japan
1: yeah those are, are weird they have, man they have, they have
0: warmers they have built in bidets right they're like, weird right they're, they're weird right but they could be very well you know the biggest and, thing ever and, next year
1: yeah and I from my hear from the from Japanese users who use it they're like you guys you guys look like living like primitive like this is amazing it works really well and apparently it's also more environmental friendly because you don't use that many like toilet paper and stuff like that so
0: it's like it's a it has like nothing but advantages but like just just, like just think about it it's a huge advantage right like can you imagine being able to like set your toilet to warm every morning that way when you wake up you don't have to sit down on cold porcelain exactly exactly that's that's a benefit that is a benefit exactly what i was saying right now Two just alluded to what i was
1: saying people are gonna be like that's weird but like i bet you have five or ten years now people are gonna be like i love my smart toilet it keeps my butt nice and toasty like how would i even how did i live without it it pairs with my smart bed too
2: like I don't know, that cold porcelain wakes me up in the morning but like
1: <laughs> it, i mean you can have a cold porcelain setting to wake you up those your, are the pro features i'm writing this down your smart bed <laughs>
0: automatically detects when you get out of bed it's that way your toilet warms and your coffee starts brewing from your this smart is, this, and smart Keurig.
1: We're talking about, like, the full automated life. We're talking exactly. about, like, a
2: Jetsons-type future. Exactly. I was yeah. going to
1: say, we're talking about the life where the 50s and 40s have predicted that we'll be in right now. You know? The type of thing where you literally do not have to touch anything. And everything will be set for you. Your bed wakes you up. The smart toilet warms up your te- seats. So then your automatic wall, uh, a hallway brings you to your toilet. You sit down. You're nice and toasty. You do your business. Get up. Automatic toothbrush brushes your teeth. It, your automatic hallway then takes you to the kitchen where your toaster already automatically has warmed two pieces of toast for you.
2: How'd the and toast get there?
1: Automatic toast dispenser.
2: <laughs> See?
1: The world is bright as much as we make it. And while some of these things may be totally ridiculous and no really necessary, it, it we're definitely in what I consider the developing phase of the IOT. We're, we're we're sort of like in the beginning discovery phase. What can we? What can be smart? What cannot be smart? And and uh, why should it be smart? And you know, this is not even just we're, we're right now. This whole episode, we kind of talked about home automation and home IoT, but we also got to remember that IoT exists outside of the home, right? Yeah. It's in, it's in military, it's in medical, it's in transportation, right? These IoT things. A lot of the IoT uh, products that we see in our homes today started. From different origins, a lot of the medical stuff, like time scheduling and stuff like that, that happen in hospitals where time restriction, time scheduling is an essential thing, where they does help did help uh, the development of IoT products like I guess Siri and smart AI, and military uh, IoT has definitely has brought over its benefits over to us. Yeah. So the future exactly. of IoT is it's going to be a very crazy thing, and especially for people who I would say are not into IoT right now, I, I expect huge. Population growth that I use IoT in the f- near future. So
2: 100%. Yeah, I don't know. But like the way I'll leave, I'll end the podcast with, you know, one of my favorite sayings from one of my favorite people, you know, the world is your oyster. That's a direct quote from SpongeBob. Feel free to take me on that quote. <laughs> but basically, I think the future is going to be very interesting to see where IoT really goes. And, you know, like Nine was saying, there's all these little, little things that, will come up in our lives shortly that will be like, how the hell did we live before, right? Like so, a smartphone. Oh, yeah. Like, and like a smartphone is the best example, right? So let's see how it goes. But anyway, guys, we are out of time. Unfortunately, if you guys want to hear more from us, let us know. You guys have been interacting with us more and more on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and we love the interactions. Love it, with love it, love it. Right? Keep hitting us up. Keep uh Keep messaging us. We appreciate all the love and support, right? But anyway, guys, this was. This has been the future of IoT and IoT technologies.
0: I'm two. I'm nine. And I'm four. And we will see you on TechCast Friday. Later, guys. Woo! Catch bye.